Online, welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Tuesday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we will be talking about Lent, and that will be with Father Paul Bukers. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. This is Archbishop Buti Tlachale of the Catholic Diocese of Johannesburg. You are listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headline this Tuesday evening, Pope Francis says mass with Melkite Greek Patriarch. Pontiff says human trafficking is a crime against humanity. And prophetic voice of the Catholic Church in Africa. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. Pope Francis concelebrated Mass this Tuesday morning with the Melkite Greek Catholic Patriarch of Antioch, Yusuf Absi. Instead of delivering a homily, Pope Francis said a few words about the meaning of the day's celebration at which members of the Melkite Greek Synod participated. Devin Watkins reports. This Mass with our brother Patriarch Yusuf, the Pope said, confirms our apostolic communion. He is the father of a very ancient church, and he comes to embrace Peter and to say, I am in communion with Peter. The Holy Father said this was the meaning of the Eucharistic celebration. He said the Melkite Greek Church is a rich church with its own theology within Catholic theology and with its own marvelous liturgy. The Pope said at this moment a large part of the Melkite people is crucified like Jesus. He said the Mass was being celebrated for the people of the Melkite Greek Church, for the people who suffer, and for the persecuted Christians in the Middle East who give up their lives, goods, and property because they are driven out. Pope Francis said he also offered the Mass for the ministry of our brother Yusef. At the end of the celebration, Patriarch Yusef thanked the Pope for this beautiful Mass of Communion. He said, personally, I am truly moved by your fraternal charity and the solidarity you have shown to our church. Patriarch Yusuf promised to keep Pope Francis in his heart and prayers. I cannot describe the beauty, the patriarch said, of this communion which unites all the disciples of Christ. The Clementile Hall in the Vatican was the scene of a meeting yesterday between Pope Francis and participants in the World Day of Prayer and Reflection Against Human Trafficking. Pope Francis met with approximately 110 people, including survivors, young people, and members of the committee organizing the International Day of Prayer and Reflection Against Human Trafficking. The theme for this year focused on the role of young people in view of the upcoming Synod of Bishops. Sister Benedette Reyes reports for Vatican Radio. Pope Francis fielded four questions from the young people. Two came from victims and two came from young people who participated in events prepared for them by the organizational team. The questions from the victims prompted the Pope to point out the problems in society which make modern-day slavery possible, ignorance, unwillingness to admit the issue, and hypocrisy. He underlined several times that he has never lost an occasion to denounce human trafficking as a crime against humanity. The Pope took the opportunity to encourage the young people present to meet with the survivors of human trafficking and to learn the signs that someone might be living in slavery. 
The audience concluded with a prayer to Saint Josephine Bakira, which Pope Francis prayed together with those present. Meanwhile, as reported on Radio Veritas, young people of Sacred Heart Parish took to the street of Akaville in Whitbank to march in solidarity with victims of human trafficking. Nosipo Khadebe has this story. Bishop Joe Sandri of Whitbank has strongly condemned human trafficking, saying that the problem has become the leprosy of our time and needs to be healed urgently. Speaking at the feast day celebration of Saint Josephine Bakita, Bishop Sandri urged parishioners to pray for victims. The young people of Sacred Heart Parish took to the streets of Ackerville in Whitbank to march in solidarity with victims. Parish priest Father Linda Zwane said he hoped the march would have an impact on the youth. Geographically, that Whitbank is in the corridor from Jowick to Maputo and Swaziland, where people pass through here, and a lot of things are happening with regard to that human abuse. And we're doing this because Akaville or Linville or Woodman Parish itself has got a lot of drug abuse, a lot of nyawupe, and a lot of sex workers or people who are trading with that in town and all over other places. So we thought it was very important for our young people to be aware of that and to know that and so that they cannot uh, they can avoid being in those situations. And now, the prophetic voice of the Catholic Church in Africa. Despite providing ecumenical and religious teachings, the Catholic Church in Africa has always been in the forefront of bringing about positive political change in many destabilized countries across the continent. For example, in West African countries such as South Sudan and Nigeria, the Catholic Church provides humanitarian assistance through church organizations such as Caritas. But it's the leaders of the Catholic Church, such as the president of the Nigerian Catholic Bishops' Conference, Archbishop Ignatius Kaigama of Jos, who are not afraid of bringing country leaders to order. In a recent post, His Grace Ignatius Kaigama told the Nigerian president that the silence of the federal government in the wake of the horrifying attacks was shocking. The Nigerian Catholic bishops have met with President Muhammadu Buhari, urging him to work towards a peaceful, equitable solution of the violent clashes between nomadic herdsmen and the settled farmers in central Nigeria. The bishops decried the violent attacks in several Nigerian states, including the state of Benue, where 80 people have been killed and 80,000 displaced. Archbishop Ignatius Kaigama of Jos told the Nigerian president that the silence of the federal government in the wake of the horrifying attacks was shocking. They also urged the government to take its primary responsibility of protecting the lives and property of its citizens very seriously and ensure that such mindless killings did not recur. During the meeting, the bishops asked the government to address the growing number of kidnappings in Nigeria by investing in better technology to track down the perpetrators. The bishops concluded saying that as the voice of the voiceless 
they would continue to highlight the plight of the people. In the midst of separatist conflicts between the Francophone and Anglophone communities in Cameroon, the Catholic bishops have asked that people fast and pray every Friday for the restoration of peace and stability in the country. At the bishop conference in this province, the Anglophone province, they, at the moment they are mobilizing people to come out to be in solidarity with those who, who have been affected, uh, those who, are, who have uh, run away from their homes, to collect, you know, collect money and food and the like and try to reach out to them. So far, that's a kind of a, a drive, you know, all the churches have been called to do. Uh, and then apart apart from that, that's the ongoing call for parents to call. There is a, a continuous, since last year, a continuous um, prayers that all the parishes, all the churches have been asked to dedicate, uh, you know, private for adoration prayers and uh, fasting to pray for, for peace in Cameroon. Over the years, the Catholic bishops of Central African Republic have also voiced their concern amid ongoing rebel conflicts and the ongoing rise of child soldiers. You know, the Catholic Church is playing a very, very good and very important necessary role in this situation, social situation in Central Africa as, as a whole. The role of the Catholic Church and the priests, and you know, mostly the presence of the Catholic priests in those villages, in the parishes, are like the small light that is shining in the, in, the, in the darkness. Because all the things that are happening, what people are going through, the only place that they can run to is the Catholic Church. All our parishes, all our hospitals, all our seminaries, all our other houses, are just filled up with people, you know, they are running away from the, from the violence. So that's the situation. If it's not because of the Catholic Church, I don't know where can we stop from. With about 35 million Catholics, the leaders of the Catholic Church in the Democratic Republic of Congo have become the prophetic voices of the people to the point that they managed to mobilize people of all faiths, both in the country and in the diaspora, to join hands and protest against incumbent President Joseph Kabila's 17-year rule. The Catholic Church, Church has taken uh, the lead in uh, organizing all these marches uh, against uh, the regime and the uh, especially the lay people in the church are the one in the forefront. Almost on a daily basis that we hear, or weekly that we hear, one priest has been kidnapped from this parish, another one after two days kidnapped and released. And the motive of them being kidnapped is just because they are behind the people of God. But that does not uh, um, let the people or the church to, 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 to be tired and to give up because the cause that the church is now uh, pursuing is a genuine cause for the good of the people. So the church will never back uh, uh, off as long as the people whom they save are suffering. We will be in prayer with uh, our Pope, the Holy Father, Francis, who called for this uh, day of prayer on the 23rd of February that the day be a day of prayer and uh, fasting for the cause of Congo and South Sudan. And indeed on that day, we call all our fellow brothers and sisters, Catholics and non-Catholics, to join the Holy Father for that day of prayer.
Another country where the Catholic Church is very instrumental is Angola, a former Portuguese colony situated in southern Africa. According to Father Julio Candeiro OP, the people of Angola, including the country's leadership, have profound respect for the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is a very powerful institution here in Angola. And so the bishops know, and it's the commandment of the church, that they are the bishops for everyone, for all Angolans, independent of their political lines. And as Christians and the followers of Christ contribute to build this earth, this country that has been given to us by God. The Kenyan Catholic Bishops' Conference have over the past years also voiced their concerns regarding the political instability in the country. Um, the church has been very clear, the Catholic Church has been very clear that if there are issues that people feel they are aggrieved about, they should use the legal mechanisms in place. That means you go to court and you follow up on the process. So from the church perspective, um, they are more concerned in what is being called uh, excessive force used by police in quelling uh, riots, especially in the slum areas. That is where now the, the church is concentrating on. Because they say the elections have been finished, they have concluded, if you have issues, you go to court. But now they are saying the police should not use excessive force to stop the people who want to express their dissatisfaction with the elections. As you may have heard in today's news, Catholic bishops of Tanzania have issued a pastoral letter denouncing violations of the constitution and national laws. The Catholic bishops of Tanzania have issued a pastoral letter charging that President John Magufuli has endangered national unity and undermined democracy by suspending the rights of opposition parties to engage in public activities. Denouncing violations of the constitution and national laws, the statement also stressed that media are closed off temporarily, suspended, thus restricting the right of citizens to be informed, freedom of opinion, and the right to privacy and expression. The bishops warned that if this dictatorial drift continues, more serious conflicts are likely to arise. It was a Jesuit priest who played a role in the peaceful exit of former Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe. And as Father Claudius Lupatla says, although the country is presently very unstable, the Catholic bishops remain attentive of political and social affairs. Presently, things in the country generally they are not stable. So there is a lot of movement, a lot of movement in the political sphere. So at the moment, the church is, is waiting because at the moment, little things are happening. So it's not easy to actually make a, a good decision and act on it. But what the bishops have, have encouraged is people to be, to be steadfast, people to pray so that the stability. And after stability is established, I think that then problems might start happening. Because at the moment, things are not very stable at all in the country. People were expecting results, you know, immediate results. So at the moment, things are still not what people want. There's still no money in the bank. The prices are still going up, and the black market is also giving people a problem. So those are some of the things which are causing a bit of instability. And also in the political parties, a lot of fighting are going on in all the different parties. So nothing is stable as that. Uh, some things are happening slowly and slowly, and we hope that uh, good results will come out of them. And in the mountain kingdom of Lesotho, the Catholic bishops also play a role through organs such as the Justice and Peace Department of the Catholic Church, as explains Mr. Boy Mohapi. And as you all know that Lesotho is undergoing reforms, constitutional security sector and public sector reforms. And uh, as a commission, we have been 
uh, very instrumentally in the, in the in the initial stage, and we are we are anticipating to continue participating in the reforms through community participation, through public hearings, parish hearings, so that uh, everybody in the parishes, everybody in the villages is able to make their input, and the commission is ready to 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 undertake that activity. And uh, on the sitting of the bishops uh, on the fourth of February, they will prove uh, our participation in the reforms. But another activity which we is about to, to, to be approved by the bishops on their sittings as well is uh, our our education in terms of environment care for creation, which is informed by the Laudato Si encyclical letter of the Holy Father uh, Pope Francis. That is also a very uh, 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 core activity in our in our agenda this year because, as you can see, the the effect and the the aftermath of the of the of the of the uh, and the global warming, and 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 and, and, and the, the 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 result of uh, you know uh, environment, you know, as as you can see the, the storms, mm-hmm. the drought, and all these things. We need to also educate people on their effect on how they can take care of the environment so that they are able to to, to contribute to that effect. So mm-hmm. that is that is that is the the, the 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 activity number two. But number three is our ongoing parliamentary liaison program which we also which we also align with the with the reforms because then that is where we will make we'll be making our input in terms of the bills and the legislation that will be passed by the parliament so those are the key uh, activities that uh, we are hoping to, to put before the bishops mm-hmm. uh, for approval for the year 2018. And back home, the Southern African Catholic Bishops' Conference, the SACBC, have on a number of occasions voiced their opinion and concerns regarding the political and social affairs of the country. Most recently, the SACBC called on the ruling party, ANC, to put the needs of the people first. In the statement, the Bishops' Conference calls on all engaged in political decisions regarding, in particular, the future role of President Jacob Zuma to exercise calm and patience. As ACBC spokesperson Archbishop William Slattery spoke to Radio Veritas. So we would call upon all members of the country uh, to accept the outcome of it with peace and with unity because there, there are tremendous problems facing the country and we cannot spend the next two years before the, the next uh, general election uh, uh, concerned with internal party politics or politics within even individual parties. We must now begin to deal with unemployment and poverty and issues facing the whole country at the moment. Throughout the years, the Catholic Church in Africa has been in the forefront of bringing positive political change, encouraging the laity to stand up for their rights. Today, more people on the continent have followed suit. In Togo, for example, pressure from the streets has brought a commitment by the president to enter constitutional reform talks. In Togo, protests and public sector strikes have been going on for months. The West African country has been ruled by a single family for half a century. In the Nasingbe dynasty, son President Four Nasingbe has followed father without presidential term limits, and many Togolese have had enough. Pressure from the streets has brought a commitment by the president to enter constitutional reform talks. Few, though, expect concrete results. International mediators from Ghana and Guinea say talks between the government and the opposition will begin on February the 15th.
And in Senegal, opposition parties have been protesting in a call for free and fair elections ahead of the 2019 presidential vote. Supporters of rival political parties marching together, they say, to defend democracy. It's a rare moment of unity in Senegal's lively and sometimes divisive political landscape. Here, they shout the name of the former president's son. Karim Wad is a leading opposition figure who was sentenced to prison on corruption charges. He now lives in exile. If opposition leaders are sent to prison, then our democracy is turning into a dictatorship. That's why we're on the streets, to ensure our political rights. The popular mayor of Dakar, Khalifa Saltou, is accused of embezzling millions of dollars and is facing trial. From his detention cell, he still runs the city. If sentenced, he will not be allowed to run for president in the upcoming elections. Sal says the trial is politically motivated. The opposition accuses President Macky Sall of using the courts to eliminate his political rivals ahead of the 2019 presidential elections. Among the protesters is the president's former prime minister. It's not only a, a struggle for politicians or people like that. It's a struggle for the people of Senegal. We want Senegal to become a real democracy. Under Macky Sall's leadership, Senegal has become one of the world's fastest growing economy. People here are better off today than they were before he came to power. And with recent offshore oil and gas discoveries, the economy is set to grow even further. But these protesters feel left out, saying they're not getting a fair share of this new wealth. There's protests and demonstrations like this for the past few weeks across various West African countries, in Chad, in Niger, in Togo, even in Tunisia. Some are protesting against the rising cost of living. Others are calling for political change. And so this protest has to be taken in the light of what's happening throughout the region. Young Africans tired of being ignored, taking to the streets in order to get their voices heard. The demonstration ended like it started, peacefully. For President Macky Sall's supporters, this shows his ability to govern with the opposition. And with thousands of people on the streets, the opposition sees it as a success too. And so all seem to agree that democracy isn't easy, but is always worth fighting for. Africa, And finally, the healing of a French sister, 69-year-old Bernadette Morial, whose back problem prevented her from walking normally from the age of 27, has been recognized as the 70th miracle of healing at Lourdes. Nosipo Hodebe has more. Sister Bernadette visited Lourdes in July 2008. Shortly after returning home, her chronic sciatica, or pinched spinal nerve, disappeared for the first time since she was first diagnosed. She had undergone four unsuccessful operations for her ailment. A statement from her parish said that in the water of Lourdes, she experienced an unusual feeling of relaxation and heat in the whole of her body and heard a voice telling her to take off her medical corset and leg brace. After many examinations and meetings with doctors and specialists over the years, it was confirmed recently that the healing could not be explained scientifically. And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today.
Thank you once again for joining me this Tuesday evening. I'm Sheila Pirch and you are listening to Catholic View. Coming up next is our feature program. Today we look at Lent. Wednesday, the 14th of February, marks the beginning of Lent, a period of 40 days of penance, prayer and fasting. During this time, we are called to strive to imitate Jesus Christ's actions and prepare for the celebration of Easter as we reflect on Jesus' life, death and resurrection. I spoke to Father Paul Bukas, the Vicar General for the Archdiocese of Johannesburg, about observing Lent through the teachings of Pope Francis. The Lenten season is a time of, uh, of fasting, of repentance, and of um, finding a spiritual discipline in one's life. But one can also look at it and see the Lenten season as a, a time for a second chance, where the mercy of God is being revealed to us in such a wonderful way, allowing us and granting us a chance to return to the Lord, to turn back to the Lord. And one can only do that once mercy has been offered unto you. So there's a beautiful link between the two, I would say. Yes, yes. It is indeed, this Lenten season is indeed a time for mercy. Yeah. And now let's talk about Ash Wednesday. What are my yes. obligations as a Catholic on Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday, firstly, it marks the beginning of the season of Lent. So all Catholics are strongly uh, encouraged or in, advised to participate in the Ash Wednesday celebration. Now, it's not Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation, but it's a very important day on our liturgical calendar, and therefore Catholics are, as I say, strongly encouraged to uh, attend Mass on that day and to be open to receive Ash on, on, on Ash Wednesday. Uh, because Ash Wednesday marks the 40 days, uh, marks the beginning of the 40 days before Easter, and which, as I said, it's a time for us to fast, to repent, and also to live in moderation. So uh, all Catholics are um, encouraged and advised to really make use of the special time. Yeah, I strongly believe that this is a beautiful time. It's a time if we allow for the Lord where the Lord can really touch and change our lives. And what a powerful way and place than the confessional, to go to confession during this time, to really let the Lord show his mercy unto oneself in that beautiful sacrament. Because it's in a, in a, in a sacrament of confession where we can come and we can bring our brokenness before the Lord. And as we bring our brokenness before the Lord, we know that He can put those broken pieces back together again and allow us to go out and to live life and to share life. So it is a time of mercy. It is a time of forgiveness. And the sacrament of confession has a very central role during this time. And I would advise all Catholics to really make use of it. And not just to go because they are told to go, but to go because they really want the Lord to touch their lives so that when they go out, they can experience the mercy of God and share the mercy of God with those around them. Because as people, we hurt one another. We disappoint one another. How do we deal with that? And I think from the sacrament of confession, we can really draw our strength to be uh, present unto each other and to live with the sense of reconciliation. 
So that's what I, I think, yeah. Yeah, and now of course, uh, also during Lent, it's a it's a time of um, of sorrow. It's a time when we we tend to have more solemn hymns. I'm I'm turning now yes. into the hymns, the liturgy, yes. the liturgy um, during a Lent. Talk to okay. us about the reason behind it. Why is it that we sing more solemn hymns? Why is it that we don't sing the Gloria during Lent? The Gloria is a joyous hymn. It, it's really a, a happy, celebratory, giving glory, giving praise to God, that hymn. So I, I, it's not a hymn that, that beautifully uh, brings out or describes the season that we're in. So therefore, we leave that, that hymn for outside of Lent. We leave it for our Easter celebration. And it sounds so wonderful when we have the Easter virtual and, and the glory has been intoned. You can hear that something is happening. You can hear that we are in a different season. However, for the Lenten season, because we are turning back to the Lord with all our hearts, because we become more deeply aware of our brokenness, and because we are seeking the merciful face of God, we come with a different uh, uh, emotion, a different feeling before the Lord, and we put aside certain songs like the Alleluia and the Gloria, we leave that out in order for, for the season to speak to us. Because you see, music also plays an important role. It brings out different emotions within people, you see. But we, what, we, what we should be aware of, whenever when I'm the choir master, or the choir conductor, or the choir, or the music minister in the parish, we should keep in mind that music plays an important role. And with music, we can really, really bring out what we celebrate and really touch people's lives and lead them towards that way where the celebration of uh, the Holy Eucharist or the liturgy is taking us to. And just thinking about it now, that if you read the general instruction on the Roman Missal, the general instruction on the Roman Missal uh, points out that uh, it speaks about musical instruments like your drums and your tambourines and your organs, uh, organs and uh, musical organs and things like that, that what happens is that it should be used in such a way, in a moderate way, that it is consistent with the season, with the character of the season, and in this particular case, the Lenten season. So it comes back to your question about the Gloria. Yeah. Of course, I was just going to ask you about the drums, the beating of the drums as well, that it should be actually moderate. It should be, everything should be very solemn. We should be more yes. in touch with ourselves. We should be able to yes. spend more time meditating rather than rejoicing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The time for rejoicing will come. Jesus says that in, 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 in sacred scriptures, when his disciples used to look at the disciples of John, they are fasting, and, and, and why are we not? And he says, well, while the, bridegroom, while the bridegroom and the bride is there with you, there's no time for rejoicing and celebration, but that time will come. And in this case, with us, the time will come for the great rejoicing. Well, Father, thank you so much for sparing some of your time with us. I know as Lent approaches, everyone is, is busy, especially you, clergy, are very busy getting ready for this season of Lent. I think it's one of the busiest times in the year for you. Yes, it is, but it's also a beautiful time for all of us. It's yeah. a time for prayer, real deep prayer. And I hope that um, my brother priest, the religious, and, and all the lay people will use this time as a special time of retreat, retreat mm -hmm. for the church, where we really just 
become still and allow God to be God in our lives and to speak to us and, and to draw us closer to God's self. Yeah. Amen. So thank you to you. And my thanks goes there once again to Father Paul Bukes, the lead to Vicar for the Archdiocese of Johannesburg, for speaking to us about Lent. And on that note, I'd like to wish you a blessed Lenten season. Please note that as of tomorrow, Radio Veritas will be broadcasting Stations of the Cross during this time. So Catholic View will resume broadcast on the 3rd of April at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed and prayerful Lent. This has been your Tuesday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again on the 3rd of April. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao.